Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Hey friends, I had the privilege of sitting down once again with my friend and former pastor, Dr. Lance Bourgeois, about the call of parenting based out of Colossians chapter 3. Lance is the head pastor of Grace Church in Wichita Falls, Texas. Lance and I had such a life-giving conversation about marriage in season one that I invited him back to dive into what scripture says about parenting. This discussion has so much wisdom that we have broken it into two parts. So let's get this conversation started. Welcome everyone to another episode of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name is Alicia Stickles. I'm the executive director of No Heart Left Behind and your host um, for today's podcast. And once again, um, we have one of my dear friends uh, joining us. He has been on the podcast before, but I loved having him on so much that I asked him to come back. Um, Dr. Lance Bourgeois, and if you listen to the his last episodes on marriage, which if you haven't, I highly recommend you go back. He does not like to be called Dr. Lance or Dr. Bourgeois <laughs> or anything like that. So we are going with Lance throughout. Um, but I like Thank to, you. I like to brag on him because he doesn't brag on himself. <laughs> and like I said, last time as someone who is in seminary now, it's quite impressive to me that you have your doctorate. So I'm just going to brag for you. <laughs> I'm just Lance. <laughs> just Lance. Right? right. Our credential comes from uh, our identity in Christ. That's, that's right. Enough. That you are 100% right. I love that. Um, so thanks for coming back on the show. We appreciate you coming Yeah, what back. a privilege. Yeah. What um, a privilege. So last time you were here, uh, we talked about... Uh, marriage and having a Genesis two marriage in a Genesis three world. And really what that involved was God's original intention and experience of marriage and trying to get a taste of that in a broken world and how that can be hard. And we really based a lot of that conversation, not only in Genesis two and three, um, but in Colossians uh, chapter three, verse 18 through 21. And there were all those buzzwords like submit and leader <laughs> and helper um, that everybody just loves. <laughs> right. But, yeah. But what I loved about the conversation was just giving context to all those things, um, you know, because in today's uh, society, they have such negative connotations. But when, you know, 
the original Greek and Hebrew meaning of the word is actually very life-giving. So all that to say, it was a great conversation. Well, there's a second part um, to Colossians chapter three, verse 18 through 21, that talks about um, kids and parents and what the call of parents are. Because I mean, at No Heart Left Behind, you know this, Lance, like our jam is family. And we want to equip and empower families to thrive with the word of God and the love of Christ. And so we talk a lot on this show about marriage. And then probably second to that is parenting, because we just feel like those two things are just so foundational um, to uh, raising up kids that are what you know feel well loved and are grounded in the lord and just kind of ushers in more of the kingdom this side of heaven so yeah um yeah so that's what we wanted to kind of jump into today was the second half of that if you were good with that yeah let's go okay you don't ask easy questions by the way i i don't my questions are kind of long-winded i have to say that well, yeah. uh, well, they're not easy and they're not brief. You do not ask questions that have brief answers either. No, no. You can't just say yes or no to my questions. <laughs> <laughs> if only I could figure out how to get my kids to talk more, because I feel like, you know, you read all those books about ask open-ended questions so that your kids will talk and elaborate. And I have three boys, as you know. Um, you actually helped name or nickname the third one anyway. Judo. Judo. It's it has stuck for sure. <laughs> anyway, I think I'm like kind of talented at asking open-ended questions. Like You're tell, great me, at it. tell me about the um what was the best part of your day, blah blah. And still somehow they figure out how to do one worded. It was good. It was fine. So. Recess. Could, That's their could, answer. Oh, re- it's either recess, PE, or me picking them up, which I guess is a good thing. So anyway, I digress. All right. Are you ready for all of your open? I'm ready. Fire away. <laughs> let's have a conversation because I'm certainly not an expert. Right. But let's have the conversation <laughs> about how we might do better in our parenting. Let's have yes. that conversation. All right. I like that conversation. Um, to kind of kick us off though, I do want to read um, Colossians chapter three, verse 18 through 21. Um, so it starts in 18. Wives submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Here we go. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord, which P.S. my kids had to memorize that verse at their Christian school. And I was like, this is my favorite verse ever. Um, And then verse 21 um, ends with fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So um, there is a, well, actually, let's just talk about, um, let's unpack that first before I read this really awesome quote that I wanted to read. Um, So yeah go. <laughs> you, you want to unpack the children part or the parent part? Well, let's start with the children. Um, you know, first of all, we hear that word obey. And again, I feel like Colossians three is just like filled with all of these words that 
we hate. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you if you read the book of Colossians as a whole, uh, you're going to find that the book really kind of splits in half, that it gives you some theology training, uh, how to how to because these are theological truths. And then he stops and, and turns and says, because those things are true, this is how you live it out in your life. And so he didn't say, just do this without any reasoning. He gives you two chapters to say, this is the why. So this is what it looks like when you do it. So when he gets to the children part, and the parents have the same thing, is I think that there's a call and then there's a mindset. And so for the child, right, the call is that they are to have a lifestyle that's characterized by their obedience, right? There is only one instruction for them. It's to obey, and it's present tense. So it is this ongoing habitual act. It's a lifestyle for how they're to live their life. They're to be known for their obedience to, uh, to their parents. Now, what if the parent is foolish? We have this conversation in the marriage one. Well, the child who lacks the autonomy to make decisions or life-changing decisions, right? Obey mom and dad and trust that the Lord will honor that. So the obedience has a couple of aspects to it, but he, he's certainly writing to Christians. And so he's, I think he's got the presupposition that the parents are godly, right? Yeah, because I was going to, I'm sorry. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, you know, in, in the marriage one, like the caveat, I think was the word that you used about for the wives submit to your husbands, that caveat was as fitting to the Lord. Um, but you don't really see that when it's saying kids obey your, obey your husbands, obey your parents. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is We've got different Greek words that communicate levels uh, of children. You've got a word that speaks of infant. You've got a word that speaks of a toddler. And then you have a word that speaks to a child. Uh, but we do not have any word that communicates in Greek. There's no word like adolescent. It goes from child to adult. So mm -hmm. we don't know how old this child is. So we don't have the capacity to understand that. Not to mention in that other one, wives as is fitting to the Lord is you could have an adult female in the church, but you're probably not going to have a child in the church. Uh, but because we've got adults in the church reading this instruction, as I think that Paul's presupposing the idea that you've got a home that at least gives some credibility to the word of God or yeah. scripture in it. So the idea is, children, this needs to be your lifestyle. It doesn't need to be the exception to the rule. The rule is, is that you would be obedient and child know this, is you have a position where your obedience to the Lord is what honors. We talked last time in the marriage one is men don't lead, husbands don't lead because their wives are good followers. They lead as their act of worship. Wives don't submit because their husbands are good leaders. They yield themselves and you have to go listen to the other podcast for that to make any sense what I'm saying. But if you're yielding yourself to the husband's leadership, that's your act of worship. Here's the child's act of worship is yeah. that you follow the instruction of your parents in that for its right. Yeah. I like that act of worship a lot. <laughs> well, it, it gives purpose and meaning to it because it takes it, it takes the focus. What's the source or the why of 
of leading? What's the source or why of yielding? What's the source or the why of obeying? Every one of them is sourced in the Lord, none of them in the other person. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which isn't that great, right? Because the Lord, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he doesn't change. And again, listen to the last podcast, but the idea that we trust that he's all good, he's all knowing, and he's all powerful. And so if we honor the Lord and we're in fellowship with the Lord because we honor the Lord in our leading, yielding, or obeying, children know this. If you're sitting there saying, I'm obeying my parent and they are foolish or this goes, you know, as a former student pastor, that was always so hard. I get a kid who comes to a retreat or a camp or a conference with me or comes on uh, to our student ministry and they come to know the Lord. And then I'm sending them back into a home where they don't, where the parents don't know the Lord. And they're saying, my parents talk to me this way, or they talk to me that way. They're abusive. They're ugly to me. They don't treat me well. They call me names, whatever. How do I live in that home? Yeah. Right. What it, I'm I would, yeah. back into a, a war zone. And what I would always, I mean, I obey them, but I would give them something kind of a little more practical. What do they ask of you? Well, bring the garbage out. Well, then you know what? You start bringing the garbage out without them asking you. Let them see the change in your life. Bring your plates to the sink. If your job is to load the dishwasher, load the dishwasher without being asked. And you do all that for a month and see that they don't come to you like, hey, what's gotten into you? And now you tell them, hey, you know what? I came to faith. The Bible tells me to obey you. You asked this of me. I shouldn't have to be asked of you. You've told me what you expect of me. And I'm just doing that myself because that's what the Lord has me do. Mm. And watch that begin to turn a home upside down and watch a child lead their parents uh, in the faith walk. It's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I mean, you know, most of our listeners, I mean, I I know we are all somebody's kid, um, (laughs) but um, what I really want to focus on today is kind of what you were saying is about um, the call of being a parent and parenting well. You know, we have talked multiple times about how, you know, a call to parenting, like the the idea is one thing like, oh, you have this child and it's so wonderful. And, um, you know, you experience this love on a whole nother level which you do all of those things, but it's like the way I describe it is like, it's the best, hardest thing ever because it's so good right. and you have all of that, but it's so hard <laughs> right? because like, it's a call to slowness. It's a call to disruption. It's a call to love unlovable people sometimes. And you are like, we have like the devil incarnate in front of me right now. I don't know what to do with you. Um, and so it's, it's hard. And and the process of parenting gets a lot messier than like the idea of parenting. There's this great, um, quote that I want to kind of kick up, kick off our conversation about the call of parenting, um, with, and it is, uh, this from this book called the price of privilege, Uh, by Madeline Levine, which I know you highly recommend. Um, And she says this, says parents pressured their children to be outstanding while neglecting the very process by which outstanding children are formed. And it's like, oh, (laughs) right. 
so true because I mean, the outstanding children are formed and molded in the process, you know, and I think that process has a lot to do with discipling, but all of those things take time and investment and pouring into. And so that's why they get so sticky. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? Just in terms of, you talked about the call and the mindset, um, for children in Colossians three, let's, let's move on to the parents. Yeah. So, uh, and, and let's, let's, uh, be clear. I, the Bible, I don't think is necessarily a textbook for us on how to parent. Yes. It talks just about how to live out our faith. And one of the roles is parenting, right? So when we come to this, the call that we see in Colossians 3 is specifically fathers. I mean, you were writing to a different culture here. Uh, so if you think of fathers in this and, and see it today, we've got so many homes that are divorced. We've got single parent homes. Uh, this doesn't mean that this doesn't preclude the single parent mother uh, for sure. But the word is don't provoke your children, right? Lest they become discouraged. And so you, this is the call is raise your children with great purpose. This idea that we would be about uh, provoking our children. Think with me about there are enough things that we need to train our children in. If they're going to develop, if they're going to be that child that Levine is pointing out, that we want them to be outstanding, but we're not helping them uh, in the process of becoming that child. Think if we just hand out dictates to our children, we give them instructions, we give them busy work to do around the house. We don't teach them the why, we don't help them understand. You know, in this world, the whole idea that if I were to ask you, what is it that when your children are 18 years old and are stepping out of life, whether or not that school, a vocational school, or into the workforce or into the military, whatever your children step out to when they finish those high school years, what are the things that you would want them to know and how would you go about teaching it? Now, if you don't answer the first question, what do I want them to know? What do I want them to have you know, in their, in their tool belt? then you can't answer, answer the next question, which is, what do I need to do to train and raise up that child to be there? And I think that's what Levine is saying. We want them to be outstanding, but we're not giving them opportunities to learn how to become outstanding in that. Which go back to this passage in Colossians 3. I think the words when he says, don't provoke your children, don't add weight to them. Don't just keep loading them up with burdens. The world of growing up today is so hard. I mean, yeah. so hard. And you know that you're watching it with your kids. Yeah. And I would tell you, if I could encourage one phrase for every parent to eradicate from their mind, it would be, please don't ever tell your children, I know what you're going through. I've been there. Yeah. Because the deep reality is we haven't been there. No. We didn't grow up with a cell phone in our pocket. We didn't grow up with the access to pornography 24-7 everywhere we went. We didn't post a picture and hope that people liked it or they commented on it. We didn't have people post pictures at a party where we could see a map of where they were and see that all of our friends are at the same location, only we didn't get invited to it. Yeah, We've never lived in this world. We believed what we saw. 
Photoshop has taken that away. Now, artificial intelligence, AI stuff is mind blowing. Somebody just came up with a, uh, they asked, they input a, a, a theologian's name who's been dead for years. And they said, write a prayer by this theologian. And the artificial intelligence spit out a prayer in the same terminology using the vocabulary of that theologian that you and I could look at today and said, that is so consistent with who that theologian is. And you're like, what do we trust? Yeah. If we can't trust our eyes. We can no longer trust our ears. You think about somebody like the football player who was, they <laughs> praise catfish, right? That mm-hmm. football player from Notre Dame who was, was set up that he had a, a fake girlfriend that was being, uh, was a whole scheme to make him look stupid. He believed he was in a relationship with a real person. Yeah. You know, you know school shootings, we, it, we don't go, uh, we don't go very far without hearing. I mean, do we go more than a day without a shooting? I don't no. think so. Mm-mm. So the world these kids are living in, the world we're raising our kids in, it's not the world. We don't know what they're dealing with. And so if we're going to take seriously this call from Colossians 3, fathers, I'm going to add in mothers as well. I don't think I'm violating the scriptures when I say that. Do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. There is enough stuff in this world to make our children discouraged. Yes. Let's not be one of the contributing factors to that because A, we just load them up with chores that we don't want to do. We don't have a plan or any intentionality to what we're doing. Let's invite them in. When they ask you why, why do you have me do this? Take the time to answer that. You can say, because I'm your mom, I'm your dad, and that's enough. That's true. And what you did was add a level of discouragement in it, into it, and you missed an opportunity to be real intentional with why you're asking them to do something. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I think about, you know, you talk about the world that these kids face, and it is such a, I mean, just a a scary, pressure-filled, you know, environment that I, I know for Carrie and I, I don't know how well we do it, but our intention is that instead of when our kids think about our home, that the word that they get is something along the lines of a safe haven from the world, not another place where they have to go and be on and be perfect and um, get it all right and receive more and more pressure, you know, that they already get from the world that we could really be a place of comfort and s- security from that, as opposed to just keeping on more pressure. So would you say that that's kind of the call here in Colossians 3? Yeah, I think what it's asking is if you and I were to talk about the idea that we've got our kids for a finite number of weekends. Matter of fact, Reggie Joyner, who's involved with uh, Orange Ministries, talks about getting a big mason jar of marbles uh, and pick, put one marble for every weekend you have left with your child before they go all move out of your house. Mm. So 52 weekends a year, 
times 18 years, if you have a newborn, whatever that number is, 18 times 52, put that number of marbles in a jar and every Monday remove one marble. So if we're going to take seriously the fact that it's, I think it's inevitable, right? We hope that we launch our children into this world as competent, successful people that have what it takes to walk in this world with a level of emotional health and spiritual health and physical health. If that's our goal, and I'm looking at a jar of marbles, and every Monday I take one out, that jar, obviously, by the time your kid is hitting middle school, that jar is half full. When your kids hit freshman in high school, junior year in high school, your senior year, you've got less than 50 marbles left. And if we're going to take seriously this call, when Paul tells us that we're not busy provoking our children, lest they become discouraged, then how are we preparing them for what life's going to be like? And that marble jar is such an incredible visual for us to think through. Okay, clock's ticking. Can I waste this weekend? Can I waste an entire week of not building into my child so that they have what it takes so that when we launch them, if they go into the military, do they have what it takes to be successful there into their career path? That's fine. Vote, take, uh, vocational school, that's fine. They want to go to college, that's fine. Are they prepared to live life on their own? That they understand responsibility, what it looks like to contribute to the whole? Are they prepared to pay bills? Do they understand the value of a dollar? Do they understand that uh, my kids don't love it when I say it? You can choose your behaviors, but you can't choose your consequences. If they don't learn that in my home, they won't know that when they walk into their job, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So for us to take on this intentionality, we're not here to hand out dictates because we're the authority when we're parents. We're behind a deeper person, a deeper goal, which is I want to see Christ formed in you. I want to introduce you to the Savior. I want you to experience his love as a father, right? When, when my children pray, Father, they're using the same term for God that they use for me. Mm. Now, there's a little pressure there, right? Yes. <laughs> a little pressure? A little bit. <laughs> you know? So years ago, Phillips, Craig, and Dean had a song that said, I want to be like you because he wants to be like me. You know, what am I modeling about God the Father in my parenthood that I want my children to pick up and learn so that when they know him as a father, they don't have to get past the emotional baggage that I too am a father and God has the same label that I do. So how do I grab the reins of my parenting in such a way that it's not about me? It's not about them making my life easier. It's not about uh, them covering, mowing the yard so I can sleep in late on Saturday morning. If that's my reason for parenting, that's a pretty lousy reason for parenting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just goes back to, you know, what we talk about in marriage is just that parenting is just another call to like love sacrificially. Um, yeah. The way that, you know, Christ loves us and, you know, we don't do it perfectly, but that's, that is the model to our kids. And you keep using the word um, intentionality um, for you. Like, what does that look like to be intentional with kids and how does that kind of play a role in fulfilling this call in Colossians? So there, there's another big yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, so 
I, I can remember as a kid, my dad always went to the office early and uh, several times, I, I say that three, four times a school year, it seemed like I could get, it worked for him to take me to breakfast and we'd go get donuts and they would drop me off at school on his way to his office. And like, you know, the school wasn't even open yet, really. It was like the janitor of the school was there. The custodian was there. Um, and those were such special days for me that when I became a dad, I thought, all right, I'm going to do that with my kids. My son, uh, my older of my two children is my son, and my son thrived on that. And so by the age of two, we're walking in to this uh, bakery grocery store uh, place. I mean, he can't even hold my hand. He's holding my pinky as we walk in. Uh, and he goes up to the, to the donut counter. And he's like, what can you get? What can I get? I'm like, you can get anything. And he did the same thing. He always got the strawberry frosted donut. Uh, hmm. He didn't like the donut. He ate, the straw he ate the strawberry frosting. So he didn't eat the donut the normal way. He ate the donut where he just ate the top of it. And he spun the donut around so that he could eat just the glazed icing off of it. Uh -huh. And I'd get him a Coke. And sometime Ellen would say, can I go with you? I'm like, you can go, but you cannot critique what he gets. She's like, what does he get? I'm like, he gets two strawberry donuts. All he eats is the strawberry icing and he gets a Coke. It's like, that's a terrible breakfast. I said, hey, I'm just as much a parent as you are. <laughs> I'm okay with this one meal a week. And so when I tell you we did that once a week, and we certainly missed weeks, but what a joy that the last week of high school we went and had breakfast and that practice that began a weekly art, the, the pattern was every week he knew that he had one-on-one -on -one time with me. Sometimes the conversation was, was nonsensical. Sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was profound. Sometimes it was spiritual. Sometimes it was sports. It didn't matter. He knew that every week he had me one-on-one -on -one for about 30 or 45 minutes. And we did that all the way up until he graduated high school. Now, my daughter getting up early for breakfast was not her thing. I had to find different things. That was going to be the after school. Let's run and get yogurt. Let's go get a cookie somewhere or whatever. But the idea that says you matter enough to me that I am scheduling time with you where you have my undivided attention. Because we can talk all we want about the quality time, quantity time deal, I think we all know that you can't schedule one hour and say, I'm going to give you the best quality time I can give you right now and have that work, is that you get quality time when you provide a quantity of time. Mm. So what can you do to say, I'm going to schedule that pretty much every week, I'm going to take you to breakfast. I may be out of town one week. It may not work, but our pattern is every week that we're going to go do that. And guess what? I have no idea how many hours of really intentional, significant conversation I had with my son, but I would not trade those for anything because the intentionality of that communicated, he matters, he's important. And I created the space for those conversations to happen. Yeah. I think, I think all of us can do that. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to my discussion with Dr. Lance Bourgeois. I pray that it has given you some insight into the call of parenting. Be sure to tune in next week for the second part of this conversation as we talk about Paul's instruction to not add weight to our children and how parents are called to live intentionally with the purpose of seeing Christ formed in their children. I promise it is such good stuff. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.